And welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is the season finale of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. What a ride it's been, and now we've reached our final stop. One final game remaining before the seedings and pairings will be set for the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball Tournament. But first, we still have some business to take care of here on the show. We'll look back at this past week. We'll go over the playoff picture and all of the tiebreakers. We'll take a closer look at exactly how close this year's Player of the Year race is. And we'll be joined by our special guest from the regular season champion, Fairleigh Dickinson Knights, Madeline Salvaggi. But first, let's get to the week nine NEC women's basketball headlines. For the first time since 1993, the Fairleigh Dickinson Knights are the NEC regular season champions. They clinched the crown on Saturday afternoon officially due to St. Francis Brooklyn's 76 to 66 loss at Merrimack. But then about 35 minutes later, the Knights took care of their own business, making senior day a successful day and a championship day, knocking off the LIU Sharks 63 to 50 on a day when they honored their senior trio, Rachel Niles, Madison Stanley, and today's on the run guest, Madeline Salvaggi, the trio combined for 20 points, 13 boards and six assists. Also, sophomore Devin Scott was a star, shooting a perfect six for six from the field and finishing with a game tie, game high tying 14 points. The Knights finish a perfect 9-0 in conference play on their home court and have won 12 of their last 13 games overall. Saturday afternoon also featured our NEC Women's Basketball ESPN3 Game of the Week. The Sacred Heart Pioneers meeting the St. Francis Red Flash. We have some breaking news for you. This one did not go to overtime for a change. They actually settled their differences in regulation after their previous three encounters all went into bonus basketball. Sacred Heart looked primed to pull the upset off early in the game. They led by four at the break. But in the second half, St. Francis got Sacred Heart in early foul trouble and set up shop at the free throw line, going 11 for 14 from the stripe in the third quarter. St. Francis poured on 26 points overall in the third to grab firm control, and it was punctuated by a half-court prayer that was answered for Jada DePaul. Now, remember all the stuff we said last week about how she did everything last week except hit the three? Well, now she hit the three, and it was a big one from half court. In the middle of the fourth quarter, Sonia Smith for Sacred Heart, who carried the team on her back all afternoon. She scored a career high 24 points on the day. She had a three ball to cut the deficit in half from six to three. But on the other end, Jenna Mastalone, one of five St. Francis seniors being honored on the day, she delivered the dagger, and the red flash came away with a 74 68 win in regulation, mind you, to sweep the Pioneers for the second time in three regular seasons. Jada DePaul was in full beast mode, recording yet another double-double, her sixth in a row with 17 points and 21 rebounds. As she told us a few weeks ago here on the show, any loose ball she sees, she believes is hers, and she certainly played that way on Saturday for sure. Now, with Mount St. Mary's Senior Day win on Saturday against Central Connecticut 64-47, that closed the door on the possibility of St. Francis possibly working their way up into the top four for a potential home quarterfinal playoff game. But with the win, the Red Flash now know they won't be seated any lower than sixth. 
So let's take one last look at the NEC standings and check out where they stand going into the regular season finale. The Knights are the number one seed and the regular season champions at 14-3. and three. They can set a new program record if they can get their 15th conference win of the season on Thursday night at Sacred Heart. St. Francis Brooklyn will be at number two with a 12-5 and five record. The two seed will be the highest for them in their program history. The reigning champions at the Mount are two games behind the Terriers at 10 and seven, followed by Wagner at nine and eight. LIU had won six out of their last eight before they fell to the Knights back on that game over the weekend. So they're in fifth place in a tie with St. Francis at eight and nine. Merrimack, they're not eligible for this year's NEC tournament, but they're sitting at seventh right now with a seven and 10 mark. Sacred Heart and Bryant are after that at 6-11, and 11, and rounding out the standings is Central Connecticut State at 5-12. and 12. Our current playoff matchups, if the season ended right now, would feature number one FDU hosting either Sacred Heart or Central Connecticut. The two seed would be St. Francis Brooklyn against the seven-seeded Bryant Bulldogs. Mount would be the three seed taking on the six-seeded LIU Sharks, and Wagner SFU would be your four-five matchup. Now, that's how the playoff matchups look at the moment, but will they look any different after Thursday night's action? We'll have to wait and see. We'll go over the full playoff picture and all of the tiebreakers coming up later on here on the show. It's time for our final three stars of the regular season for NEC week number nine. Let's start with number three. And for the second straight week at number three, it's Allie Lassen from the St. Francis Brooklyn Terriers. Lassen finished second on the team with 16 points and six rebounds on Thursday against Bryant. She also delivered the key pass to Neb Dmitrievich, delivered the assist on what ended up being the go-ahead for good three ball with about a minute and a half left. Then in Saturday's loss to Merrimack, Lassen led the way with 17 points and seven rebounds. February was a star month for Lassen as a whole. She averaged 14.1 points in seven games, raising her team-leading scoring average from 11.8 to 12.5. Tanisha Brown from the Merrimack Warriors, who I assume is the leading contender for the most improved player this year, was our number two star of the week. We talked about her improvement in Stats Amazing a couple weeks ago, and Brown had perhaps her best week of her sophomore campaign this past week, recording 19 points, nine rebounds Thursday against LIU before netting a new career high, 22 points on nine for 11 shooting to go with eight rebounds in the Warriors' Saturday upset win over the Terriers, who had won their last five in a row. Brown was the NEC Player of the Week this past week and stands third in the league in field goal percentage, fifth in rebounds, and top 15 in scoring. Our number one star of the week is Jada DePaw from the St. Francis Red Flash. After 10 points and 14 rebounds Thursday against Central Connecticut, it was a senior day to remember for DePaw in Saturday's win over Sacred Heart, recording 17 points and 21 rebounds. She was honored before the game with her mom and dad on hand, and she dominated, including her half-court three-pointer. That was just the cherry on top of the Sunday. And what a story it is for a player who sought out the advice from her mom's former college teammate, who just so happened to be an NCAA college assistant coach at the time, Keela Whittington who told her, hey, you know, nothing wrong with walking on, earning a spot. If you really want to play college hoops, if that's what you wanted to do, then, you know, go ahead and give it a go. And she had to pay her own way, did Jada, for her first year at SFU, got on scholarship, 
Coach Keela comes in to be the head coach, small world, and Jada becomes one of the top, most dominating rebounders in the entire country. An incredible story. DePaul will go into Thursday's finale against Mount St. Mary's, 14 rebounds shy of Jessa Noble's St. Francis single-year rebounding record. She's averaged 12.7 points and 16 rebounds over her last 10 games and is in a battle for player of the year, which we will break down coming up in just a little bit. Jada DePaul, our number one star of the NEC's penultimate week. Next up here on the season finale of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run, we get to chat with the champs. Joining us from the NEC regular season champion, Fairleigh Dickinson Knights, we're joined by senior Madeline Salvaggi. Maddie, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Now, has it fully sunk in yet when you hear regular season champion Fairleigh Dickinson Knights in the introduction? Does it seem real? No, it doesn't seem real. Not yet, at least. Um, we just have worked so hard all season and it's finally paid off. We accomplished one of our goals and we still got one more to accomplish. Absolutely. And let's go back to Saturday. It was senior day. Your family was there honored before the game as part of the terrific trio with Madison Stanley and Rachel Niles. Like I said, T-shirts printed out and everything. Uh, how special of a day was that for you? That was such a special day. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Everyone that has ever supported me throughout my life, my family, some of my friends, my teammates, they were all there. And I was so happy to share that day with Madison and Rachel because we've been through it all together since the start. And that's it. You've been here from the start. You've seen this program build up where you know, several years ago, you're, you're just battling for the eighth seed to get in and now battling for championships. What, what, what has that journey been like for you? Um, it's definitely, I've grown so much in my four years here. Um, you know, like you said, my freshman year, we were battling for the eighth spot in the conference tournament. And now we clinched the first place seed. And I think that just goes to show how we've grown as people and as teammates. And a lot of credit goes to Coach Ange for coming in and, you know, setting a whole new standard for us to follow and she's done a great job and I'm so grateful to have her as my coach. And, and, and that's where I wanted to go next because since Coach Ange has come in these last three years, it's been an incredible jump. And what do you think it is about her as a coach that, that gets the best out of you, gets the best out of your teammates, that's allowed you guys to kind of improve and get a little bit better each day? Um, definitely just she demands the best out of us. You know, if I'm having a bad practice or any of my teammates, She'll, she knows how we are and she wants the best for us. So she'll demand the best out of us. And I think since the first day she walked in here, she set the standards. She said, we are not settling for anything less. And day in and day out, we just try our best to reach her standards. And we've done a pretty good job and she's just the best. I wouldn't want another coach. Yeah, it's, it sounds like for that, you don't, you don't have a choice. You have to get better each day. <laughs> um, but, you know, recently you had a chance to meet some of the women from the 1992 FDU championship team and, and many of whom were still there in 93, the last time they won the regular season title. What were some of your impressions? What were some of your takeaways getting to interact with them? Um, I love just uh, uh, talking with them and just when they talk about the memories, it's like they just are all still friends. They all remember every second of it. And it's also interesting that they didn't really talk about basketball that much. They just talked about the memories that they made during practice or outside the court. And I just 
can't wait for my teammates in 30 years to, I hope I'm as close to my teammates now, which I think I will be as they were. And now 30 years from now, you'll get to come back from the, for the reunion and you'll, it'll be all over again. <laughs> yes. Um, but you know, FDU now the number one seed regular season champs, that means going forward into the tournament, you guys get to host playoff games as long as you're in it. What do you think the key is going to be for FDU and playing at home on their home court, whoever comes in uh, to, to be there at the end, cutting down the nets and winning it all? Yeah, definitely playing at home is a huge advantage for us because we are undefeated at home. We play so well when we're at home, just having the support from everyone here. And we also take it very personal. Like when people come into our gym, we're not going to let them come in and get a win on our court. No. We take a very personal protecting our home court. So I definitely think that's a huge advantage for us. And we, you know, we've worked hard for it and we'll definitely defend it. The road to the 2022 title certainly goes to the Garden State. That's for sure. Now it's time for Get to Know. We're going to wrap things up here at Madeline with five quick hitters. So Maddie, first thing that comes to your head, just shout it out, okay? Okay. All right. Which, which TV show is your favorite to binge right now? um Grey's Anatomy okay a classic right what what is something that you just can't live without mm, my mom fantastic answer what is a pregame superstition of yours my hair has to be straight and slicked back in a high pony okay uh if we took a survey of your teammates what is one trait or adjective do you think they would use to describe you um, always positive. Okay. And along those lines, in a moment here on the show, we're going to break down Madison Stanley and Jada DePaw for the, the player of the year potential race. Uh, so give us the best pitch for your fellow senior, for your teammate. Why do you think Madison Stanley is this year's player of the year in the NEC? Um, because that girl works her butt off every day, day in and day out, and shows on the court. You know, she's the best player on our team. She's earned the right to be our go-to player. And she also is a great teammate. She, she's my best friend off the court, but she's the best teammate I've ever had. And no one deserves this more than her. She was a former guest here on our show earlier this season. She was fantastic. And we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. But best of luck to her. Best of luck to you, Maddie. Thanks so much for joining us today. And again, congratulations to you and the Knights, the regular season champions here in 2022. Thank you so much. That was Madeline Salvaggi, and this is NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. It's time for Stats Amazing, and today we're breaking down the NEC Women's Basketball Player of the Year race. So otherwise, the NEC individual awards seem to be pretty much set. Biggie O'Brien from LIU won seven Rookie of the Week honors this year, including the last three in a row. So she seems to have Rookie of the Year lockdown, which would be LIU's second in four years with Brandi Thomas being the last. The Brenda Riley Coach of the Year looks to be Coach Ann Shamiwo's. Uh, that would match Dr. Shannon Beverly's feet from the 1993 season when she guided FDU to the regular season title as well. And as mentioned earlier, Tanisha Brown from Merrimack, her scoring average jumped 7.6 points from her freshman to sophomore year, making her look like the most improved on the circuit. But the Player of the Year award this year appears like it will be the tightest race in quite a while between really the top two contenders, Madison Stanley of Fairleigh Dickinson and Jada DePa of SFU. Now, 
Stanley no doubt got out to the early lead with her team flying out to a first place start and Maddie racking up three straight player of the week honors back in January. In the first 10 conference games this year, Stanley was averaging 17 points, seven and a half rebounds. There really wasn't any other choice. She was the best player on the best team, hands down, no argument. But then February hit. And here, here comes Jada DePas into the conversation. Since the calendar turned to February, DePas averaged 14.6 points, 15.9 rebounds, while at the same time, Stanley's numbers have dipped. Stanley's numbers in February down to 10.1 points and 6.7 rebounds, and she had some really poor shooting games mixed in there as well. Plus, DePas for a while now has been one of the – best rebounders in the entire country. We're talking like top five in the nation. So what will the coaches do? Now, for those that don't know the voting process, the coaches rank the top players from 15 all the way to number one, uh, with the number one choice being the player of the year. And that's how they determine the all-conference teams and all that. But who will the coaches put at number one on their ballot? Who will they put at number two? Will they vote for the best player on the best team or will they go with the highly nationally ranked rebounder who is pretty good for about 70% of the season and then absolutely dominated the final 30% of the season like nobody's business? What will the coaches do? This is like the Bill Hader popcorn gift uh, come to life. I just want to sit back with the popcorn I can't wait to see what happens here. Now, the last award race I can remember that was this tight, that went to the regular season finale with really no clear-cut favorite, that was just a couple years ago. Brandy Thomas, Michaela Harrison, the Rookie of the Year race from 2019. They traded Rookie of the Week honors back and forth each week. They were both putting up big numbers, and it really came down to the final weekend. And in that last game, if you remember, Harrison shot two for 16, I believe like one for 11 or one for 12 from three, an awful shooting game, only five points. Well, at the same time, Thomas had her usual double-double dominance, 25 points, 14 rebounds. And with that being the lasting image in the coach's mind, as they went and cast their ballots the very next day, Thomas ended up winning the award. So I think that this year, this player of the year race is going to be just as close. And Thursday night's finale, which will be the last impression left on each coach's head when they go and turn in their ballot, one through 15, first thing the very next morning, that last game could be all the difference. Now, let's get to the stats. It's stats amazing, and I've talked for like 10 minutes, and I haven't really given them any stats. Here's the stats. I went and broke it down. I compared Jada to Madison in 15 different categories. NEC team wins, points per game, rebounds per game, field goal percentage, assists, free throw percentage, three-point percentage, blocks, minutes per game, scoring average in the last five games, scoring average in the last 10 games, rebounding in the last five, rebounding in the last 10, and times this year they led their team in scoring and times they led their team in rebounds. So a wide variety of statistics and measurables. And in those 15 categories, Madison won seven of them, Jada won seven of them, and they're tied in one. So all those statistics led to absolutely 
nothing. It's even seven, seven to one. Stats amazing. Madison Stanley is looking to be FDU's first ever player of the year in program history. DePaul would be the very latest on an, an illustrious list of talent in the SFU record books. They've had eight previous players of the year. We will see what the coaches come up with when they cast their ballot on Friday, right after the season finale. And when the NEC elite is announced to the public coming out on Monday. And finally, coming up on tap this weekend, it is the final day of the regular season on Thursday night. The Mount will travel to SFU. Bryant will host the LIU Sharks. Central Connecticut will match up with St. Francis Brooklyn. Both teams, though, are locked into their current seeds. They can't go up. They can't go down. So they'll just have a nice, friendly little get-together against each other on Thursday. Wagner will take on Merrimack. And the Sacred Heart Pioneers will host Senior Night at the Pitt Center against the regular season champion FDU. This game will be the NEC's wild card broadcast and will air at 7 p.m. on ESPN3. Sacred Heart, as we mentioned, will be honoring their great senior class while looking for a win to avoid having to play in the opening round game, while the Knights will be looking for their program record 15th conference victory. And Madison Stanley will be looking for that one last big game to leave that lasting image on the coach's mind as they go and cast their vote the following morning. Madison Stanley looking for that big game to cement a possible player of the year. So all that will be going on 7 p.m. ESPN3, Sacred Heart and FDU, our final broadcast of the regular season. Now here is the full NEC playoff picture going into the finale. FDU is the one. St. Francis, Brooklyn's the two. Mount can get up to the three. All they need is a win or a Wagner loss. Wagner can take the three with a win and a Mount loss. If Mount wins or if they lose, uh, they will be the number four. Now, both Mount and Wagner are already assured of being in the top four, and they will be hosting quarterfinal playoff games next Monday. Now, St. Francis, they're in a tie with LIU. They could get up to the five with a win or an LIU loss. LIU gets the five with a win and a St. Francis loss. Neither team will be lower than six, so one of them will be the five and one of them will be the six. And as for the rest of the seeding, Bryant will be the seventh seed with a win or some help. Sacred Heart will get the seven with a win and a Bryant loss and some other help. And either Bryant or Sacred Heart will be hosting that opening round game on Saturday against Central Connecticut because CCSU is locked in at the number nine seed. So there you have it. Our regular season is complete. We thank you for following us all season long. Keep checking us out during the postseason. Our NEC women's basketball playoff coverage on northeastconference.org and NEC social media begins with the opening round game on Saturday, March the 5th, followed by the quarterfinal round on Monday night, March the 7th. Enjoy the 2022 NEC Women's Basketball Championships. And until next time, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Women's Basketball on the Run.